Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Shattered Behavior Podcast. Our episode today is going to focus on the background of applied behavior analysis. We have a lot to go over today. Some of the things that we're going to talk about this episode are the definition of applied behavior analysis, the seven characteristics of applied behavior analysis, and then we'll also get more in depth. So we'll talk about things like your ABCs of behavior or your three-term contingency. We'll also look at types of consequences, functions of behaviors, and schedules of reinforcement. What's important to note here is that this is by far not going to cover everything that you need to know about the field of applied behavior analysis. That being said, this is an excellent starting point for those unfamiliar with the field of applied behavior analysis in order for them to understand the concepts that we'll be discussing in later episodes of the podcast. So let's dive in. Just so you're aware, everything discussed in the episode today is going to be pulled directly from the third edition of the book, Applied Behavior Analysis, which is written by Cooper, Heron, and Heward and published in 2020. Let's start with the definition of applied behavior analysis. Applied behavior analysis is the science in which tactics derived from the principles of behavior are applied to improve socially significant behavior and experimentation is used to identify the variables responsible for the improvement in behavior. That's a lot of information. Let's break this definition down a bit. There are three terms that should have stuck out to you in this definition. Those terms are science, applied, and socially significant. First and foremost, applied behavior analysis is a science. All of the principles used herein have been demonstrated in literature through various amounts of experiments. All of these principles are going to be data-driven and evidence-based. They have been demonstrated to work. Now, while behavior analysis has been shown to work everywhere, including on plants, applied behavior analysis stands out. The next key word here is applied. Applied behavior analysis is employed in real-world settings. The last key term within the definition is socially significant. Applied behavior analysis wants to take behaviors that matter, that actually make a difference, and alter them for the benefit of the client. We are actively looking directly at the benefit of changing a behavior for the client and making those changes on socially significant behaviors. So again, the definition of applied behavior analysis is the science in which tactics derived from the principles of behavior are applied to improve socially significant behavior and experimentation is used to identify the variables responsible for the improvement in behavior. Next, we will go over the seven characteristics of applied behavior analysis. These characteristics are applied, behavioral, analytic, technological, conceptually systematic, effective, and generality. Again, this is a lot of information. Let's see if we can break this down a little bit. So the first characteristic is applied. We fortunately have just gone over what applied really is. It's that applied behavior analysis is employed in real world settings to benefit the client. The second characteristic of applied behavior analysis is behavioral. Behavior analysts study a specific behavior that is objective and measurable. We need to know the exact behavior we are measuring. For example, I oftentimes get messages of people wanting help for their horse's quote, bad behavior. I do not know what bad behavior is. I need to know if your horse is biting. I need to know if your horse is taking off. I need to know if your horse is bucking, striking out, rearing up. 
there are a lot of different things that would fall under the idea of bad behavior, but I need to know specifically what behavior I'm going to be working with. Not only do I need to know the behavior that I'm going to be working with for my benefit, but as we've previously discussed, applied behavior analysis is a science. I am going to be taking data on a specific behavior, so I need to know specifically what that behavior is. The third characteristic of applied behavior analysis is technological. This sounds really fancy, but essentially means that whatever procedures you're using, whatever plan you develop, whatever interventions you decide to use, they not only need to be documented, but they need to be documented with enough clarity that somebody else familiar with the field is able to find what you have documented and replicate your strategies. The fifth characteristic of applied behavior analysis is conceptually systematic. Conceptually systematic means that the procedures that you use to change behavior need to follow the relevant behavioral principles that they were derived from. You need to systematically follow the concepts of applied behavior analysis. In short, you cannot just do whatever you want and call it behavior analysis. The next characteristic of ABA is effective. This one's pretty self-explanatory. It has to work. And finally, the last characteristic of ABA is generality. This means that the skills that you teach should be able to generalize over time. They should generalize to other people, other settings, and other stimuli. For example, if I'm the only one that can get your horse to canter nicely under saddle, I'm not really doing you a service, am I? So that covers some of our foundational knowledge of applied behavior analysis. Up next, we'll discuss the key terms and principles. Just as a reminder, these include your ABCs of behavior or your three-term contingency, types of consequences, functions of behavior, and schedules of reinforcement. Up first, we'll discuss your three-term contingency, otherwise known as your ABCs of behavior. ABC stands for antecedent, behavior, and consequence. Your antecedent is whatever happens directly before the behavior, the behavior is the response itself, and the consequence is whatever happens directly after the behavior has occurred. What's important to know here is that in an ideal world, you would control the antecedents and the consequences all of the time, but it doesn't often happen that way. Let's review an example or two of a three-term contingency. You are riding your horse at a walk, you put pressure on with your lower leg, your horse picks up a trot, and you remove the pressure with your lower leg. In this example, the antecedent is the pressure you add with your lower leg, the behavior is your horse picking up the trot, and the consequence is the removal of your lower leg. This is a contingency wherein you are able to control the antecedents and the consequences. Now, as previously stated, there are going to be times where you are unable to control the antecedent and the consequence of a specific behavior. An example of this could be a time where you are leading your horse and a car backfires in the parking lot nearby. Your horse spooks by rearing up and the lead rope gets pulled out of your hands. Your horse is now loose. The antecedent here is the car backfiring in the parking lot. The behavior is the horse rearing up. And the consequence is a combination of the lead rope being pulled out of your hands and your horse now being loose. This is an example of a contingency wherein you did not have control over the antecedent or the consequence. This would be unideal, to say the least. The next thing we're going to go over is types of consequences. A strong understanding of types of consequences in behavior analysis will allow you to break your antecedents into a variety of categories. 
We will go over both of these in this episode. I know this sounds like a lot of information, and I know that it seems illogical to go chronologically out of order by doing consequences and then going back to revisit antecedents. However, the antecedent categories are based on previous learning histories and the consequences within those contingencies, which is why we need to know about consequences before we can understand the categories of antecedents. There are five main types of consequences in behavior analysis. These consequences include positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, positive punishment, negative punishment, and extinction. One of the most important things that you need to know about consequences is that the terms positive and negative are strictly mathematical. Specifically, these terms are mathematical in that positive means you add a stimulus to a situation and negative means you remove a stimulus from a situation. So in addition to positive and negative, we have the other two categories of reinforcement and punishment. Reinforcement means that there is an increase in the future frequency or intensity of a behavior, and punishment means that there is a decrease in the future frequency or intensity of a behavior. From this information, we can gather that positive reinforcement is when you add something to a situation that increases the future frequency or intensity of a behavior. Negative reinforcement is when you remove something that increases the future frequency or intensity of a behavior. Positive punishment is when you add something to a situation that will decrease the future frequency or intensity of a behavior. A negative punishment is when you remove something that will decrease the future frequency or intensity of a behavior. Let's go through some examples. An excellent example of positive reinforcement is the horse that kicks its stall door when they're waiting for their grain. Let's walk through this. Your horse is kicking at their door waiting for their grain. The feeder comes up doing their job and puts the feed in their feed bin. The horse then gets what is usually a preferred reinforcer. Something was added, the grain, and it was reinforcement as this behavior is now going to increase in the future. Examples of negative reinforcement are abundant in what is considered typical and traditional horse training. We used an example of it earlier, in fact. The contingency wherein you ask your horse to trot is the rider employing negative reinforcement. When you remove the stimulus from a situation and it increases the future frequency of the behavior, the stimulus herein being the pressure from your legs is removed when your horse picks up the trot, that behavior is being negatively reinforced. You remove the pressure from your legs, your horse is more likely to engage in that behavior in the future. While punishment is not something that I actively advocate for unless it is absolutely necessary, it is important to understand these concepts and the examples herein. So we are going to go over examples of punishment. Positive punishment means that you add something to a situation to decrease the future frequency of the behavior. The best and most common example of this is going to be if your horse strikes out and you hit them. Pain is almost always going to be a positive punisher if and only if the behavior decreases in the future. Negative punishment is something that I very, very rarely see with horses. In fact, I believe I've only seen it one time. I observed a barn manager feeding two horses in a field and one horse acted aggressively towards the other and the horse that acted aggressively had its grain taken away for the night and it did not get dinner. Again, 
that's not something that I'm going to advocate for as it is clearly not ethical, but it is an example wherein the aggressive behavior decreased in the future. So we know that it's punishment and something was removed, which was the grain. So we know that it's negative punishment. The last consequence that we're going to go over today is extinction. Extinction is separate from the other four and that extinction is the consequence wherein a previously reinforced behavior has the reinforcement withheld. So it is not punishment, it is withholding reinforcement from a previously reinforced behavior. Let's look at an example of extinction. We can use the same example as before for positive reinforcement where the horse was kicking at their stall during feeding time and the reinforcement was that they got their grain. So the behavior of kicking at their stall was being reinforced. Again, extinction is withholding that reinforcement. So let's look at what this might be in action. So if a horse is kicking at their stall before they get grain and this behavior is inherently increasing, an example of extinction here could be withholding the grain until that behavior has stopped occurring. That having been said, there are two fairly important caveats to extinction. These caveats are extinction bursts and spontaneous recovery. Essentially, when you first implement extinction, you are going to see elevated rates and intensities of this behavior in order to obtain the reinforcement. That is an extinction burst. If extinction is continued and implemented correctly, this behavior despite the initial increase, will decrease over time. However, if reinforcement is given during an extinction burst, you have then reinforced a higher intensity of the behavior, which means that that is essentially the new norm for that behavior. The other caveat for extinction is spontaneous recovery. So let's say you've implemented extinction, you saw the extinction burst, you continue to implement it correctly and to the fullest extent, and the behavior did decrease. And it's been at near zero levels for a few weeks now. And then one day you start to see the behavior again. It will not go up to the baseline levels most of the time. In layman's terms, this is just the horse going... Um, I used to get reinforced for this and I would like to try it again. Oh, it doesn't work. Oh, okay, thanks. What's important for the spontaneous recovery is to just keep the extinction in place. So those are our main types of consequences. Again, we've got positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, positive punishment, negative punishment, and extinction. Positive and negative are strictly mathematical. It simply means whether or not something was added or removed from a certain situation. Reinforcement increases the future frequency of the behavior. Punishment decreases the future frequency of the behavior. And extinction withholds reinforcement from a behavior that was previously reinforced. Now that we know our consequences, we can go into types of antecedents. The three types of antecedents that we are going to go over in this episode are SD, S-delta, and SDP. SD stands for discriminative stimulus. SD's signal that reinforcement is available. S-delta stands for delta stimulus and signals that reinforcement is not available. SDP stands for a discriminative stimulus for punishment and signals that, you guessed it, punishment is available. We are going to use the same example three different times and three different ways to learn the types of antecedents. For an example, let's say you go up to your mom and say, hey mom, can I have 
And your mom says, sure, here's $20. Your mom would function as an SD because you got the reinforcement that you had been looking for, which was the $20. So now your mom signals reinforcement when you are looking for access to $20. Further, if you go up to your dad and you say, hey, dad, can I have $20? And he says, I don't have $20. Your dad is now functioning as an S delta, signaling that reinforcement is not available. The next time you need $20 and you see your dad, you are going to know that you are most likely not going to get the $20 from him. Finally, for an SDP, I don't know how many of you have older brothers, but let's say you go up to your brother and you say, hi, brother, can I have $20? And not only does he say, absolutely not, he also punches you in the arm. Your brother would then function as an SDP, as his presence when you are seeking access to $20 signals that punishment is available. So just to review, SD signals reinforcement, S delta signals lack of reinforcement, and SDP signals punishment. That concludes our discussion on the ABCs of behavior, which is your three-term contingency, as well as examinations on types of consequences and categories of antecedents. Up next, we will discuss functions of behavior and schedules of reinforcement. There are four main functions of behavior. The acronym that I like to use to remember them is SEAT, S-E-A-T. S stands for sensory, E stands for escape, A stands for attention, and T stands for tangible. Those words sound so nice and fancy, but let's find out what they really mean. Behaviors that have a sensory function also tend to be automatically reinforced. This means that the person or animal is able to give reinforcement to themselves. It's not somebody else giving them a cookie. It's them giving something to themselves. The best example that I can give you for sensory maintained behavior is if you have a scratch on your arm and then you scratch it. That's sensory and it's maintaining the behavior. The antecedent is having an itchy arm. The behavior is scratching it and the consequence is that it is no longer itchy. So this is being maintained by negative reinforcement and the function of it is sensory. The next function of behavior in our acronym is E for escape. Escape is another function that is oftentimes maintained by negative reinforcement. We can use the same example for negative reinforcement before. So when you ask your horse to trot, you put on the leg pressure, which is your antecedent. The behavior is that they pick up the trot, and the consequence is that you remove the pressure from your legs. This is escaped maintained behavior. The next function of behavior that we're going to review is attention. Attention maintained behaviors tend to be associated with positive reinforcement. It is oftentimes seen that children have attention-maintained behaviors. What's important to know about attention-maintained behaviors is that it doesn't matter what the connotation of the attention is. That essentially means that it doesn't matter if somebody is giving them vocal praise or if somebody is screaming at them. Either way, that's attention. Now, it is very likely that that is going to be different for horses. Due to the majority of horses having a learning history of aversive events correlated to yelling, 
and therefore that type of attention would most likely not be considered reinforcement for a horse. But again, that's going to depend on their specific learning histories, and I cannot make that assumption for all animals. The final function of behavior that we're going to go over is tangibles. Tangibles essentially just means items. This category would also include access to edibles. So this is where you're going to see treats and grain in the examples that we had previously discussed. So you'll see a lot of horses with behavior maintained by what's called access to tangibles or access to edibles, wherein they are positively reinforced by a treat or their grain or hay or any of those things. So just as a review, those are our functions of behavior. The acronym is is seat, S-E-A-T, S for sensory, E for escape, A for attention, and T for tangible, which would also include edibles. What's important to note here is that there can be more than one function to a behavior. They are not mutually exclusive. So you can have a horse that is acting on behavior maintained by both escape, which is usually negative reinforcement, and also potentially access to tangibles, which means that you are capable of using both positive and negative reinforcement at the same time. The last thing that we're going to review in today's episode are schedules of reinforcement. There are four main types of schedules of reinforcement, fixed interval, fixed ratio, variable interval, and variable ratio. We could get into the definitions of each type of schedule of reinforcement, but the definitions can be extraordinarily confusing and very tedious to go through, and I want to give you the information that you need in order to be as successful as possible. So we are going to summarize them and give you the information that you should be armed with when working with your horses. The schedule of reinforcement that is best for shaping new behaviors is called an FR1. It stands for fixed ratio of one, which means every single response is going to be reinforced. This is also called a continuous schedule of reinforcement. This is going to be your go-to for shaping new behaviors, working on creating new skills with your horse. When they are first learning things, this is the schedule of reinforcement you want. You want to reinforce every single correct response. The best schedule of reinforcement for maintaining behaviors tends to be either of the variable schedules of reinforcement. So for that, you're going to be looking at variable interval, which is time-based, or variable ratio, which is response-based. Variable ratio tends to yield the highest rate of responses because they don't know how many responses it is going to take in order to access the reinforcement. Variable reinforcement schedules are known as intermittent reinforcement schedules. Intermittent reinforcement schedules are the ideal schedules to be maintaining your behaviors. You don't reinforce every single time, but a certain average gets reinforcement. There is something extraordinarily important about schedules of reinforcement that you should know. Let's revisit what extinction is in order to fully understand this. Extinction is withholding reinforcement from a previously reinforced behavior. If you run extinction correctly and every single instance of behavior is placed on extinction and reinforcement is not given at all, that is properly running extinction. However, if there are instances of behavior where reinforcement is gained, you are no longer running extinction. You are now operating on an intermittent schedule of reinforcement. An intermittent schedule of reinforcement is best for maintaining 
behavior. So this means that if you are running inconsistent extinction, you are running intermittent reinforcement. That wraps up episode one of the Shadowed Behavior Podcast. Do you have a question, review, comment, suggestion? Go ahead and submit it to us on our website at www.shadowedbehavior.com. You can also send us an email at shadowedbehavior at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow, like, subscribe, and leave a review. Catch you guys in the next episode.